Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Well, we are in our series called Praying Bold Prayers. And last week, last two weeks we've been talking about that. Today, in just a moment, we'll get deeper into that. Next week, next Sunday, I want to... I want to just kind of prime your pump a little bit. How many understand that families are under attack? Right? If you have children, if you're married, uh, the enemy is going to do all he can to attack you. And many of you know what it's like to have have that happen in your family. Next week's uh, message is, is talking about going from broken to restored. And if you need some brokenness in your life to go from broken to restored, next week you're going to hear a testimony how God has done that for a particular family in our church and how we believe the Lord can do that for you. Also, if you have friends that you know their family, their relationships are in a state of brokenness and they need the healing of the Lord in their, their relationship, their marriage, their family, uh, I would challenge you next Sunday to be a great Great Sunday to invite them to the house of the Lord and let them hear how God has healed others, believing that, how many understand what God does for one person, He can do for you. Amen. And what God has healed in others, He can heal in you. So that's next Sunday, going from broken to restoration. It's going to be a a fantastic service. I'm looking forward to it. And today we're talking about how to go from apathy to action. And during the week of prayer, uh, every night we took one of our our uh, emphasis and different staff members taught about that emphasis. And when it come, came to this night, uh, Pastor Bethany spoke on how to go from apathy to being people of action. And she did such a tremendous job on that. As soon as she got done, it's like, okay, you've got to do that again on Sunday morning. It was such a wonderful blessing. So would you help me welcome Pastor Bethany? She comes today to sh- share the word of God with us. Thank you, guys. Um, Let me just address the elephant in the room. I heard that we're supposed to get snow today. Uh, Have you guys heard this? Um, I promise that no matter what happens out there, I will be done by the time the snow hits. So you don't have to freak out. You don't have to check your weather app. I've been checking my weather app like it was my actual job to keep people informed of the weather. Um, And so a little bit before I even came out, you know, from praying in my office this morning, I was like, God, I commit, I'm not going to even check the weather anymore until church is over. So um, I'm just, I'm, I'm putting my phone right here. And if the weather alert goes off, we'll all get it together. Um, we are in a series called Bold Prayers. Man, look at your neighbor say bold. Bold prayers. We are believing God to do some big things. And I believe big things start with bold prayers. And so what a way to start this year, um, uh, like what a way to, to say, God, we are expecting you for amazing things. And we're going to start by asking you for some big stuff that we need. Um, I love 
the new year. I, I am that type of person that is the goal-oriented. I love to, to create, you know, whatever you call them, New Year's resolutions. I call them goals, whatever. Um, I love this type of uh, time of year because it really kind of has a way of reorienting me, and I get excited to lean into what God is doing. Um, but this year slammed into myself and many others like a Mack truck, and I have not felt like I've gotten like really the momentum to really like lean into the new year with with the normalcy that I'm kind of used to, the excitement. Um, I, I shared this, I think, last last week during prayer. I had a friend, uh, we were speaking about the new year, and she said, this is the first year I have more hesitation than expectation. Anybody? Because we've had a rough couple of years. We've had a rough couple of months. Many people in this room have gone through many, many hard things. And so this year, I was sort of hoping it would be like, you know, uh, the closing of one really tough season, opening a brand new, easy, fresh year. And that did not happen for me. Did it happen for you? Um, I think a lot of us experienced maybe uh, as we turned the new year, maybe we uh, ran straight into some old problems. And uh, we're sort of at the beginning of this year wondering, God, what does this year hold? What does this year hold? And, and quite frankly, I'm maybe feeling like a little hesitation, not as much expectation. Well, this morning, I believe I have an encouraging word for you. If you're sort of hesitant about what to expect in 2024, I believe that God has come to encourage your heart that no matter what you've seen, it doesn't dictate what he can do. And so as we look to this fresh year in 2024, I want you to understand that he is asking you to trust him and, and have eyes of faith instead of eyes of fear. Can we do that, church? Before we really jump into this word, will you just pray with me that God would give us eyes of faith as we look towards 2024 and as we prepare our hearts for this word? Father. We're thankful that you're in the room, God. We're thankful that you've gathered us here in this house this morning. I believe there is a word of life, Lord, to be deposited into every heart. Um, I pray that you would anoint me to give it. I go ahead and step out of the way and let your spirit speak to me and through me, Lord. And I believe, God, with the anointing and the authority of heaven, God, that I will bring a word from your heart today, God. Um, it's not about me, Lord. It is all about what you are saying, God. So I pray every ear would be open and every heart would be receptive of what you are speaking, Lord. Also, bind every attack and assignment of the enemy right now, Lord. Anything that the enemy would do to try to steal our focus, steal our energy, steal our, uh, our attention, Lord, whatever it might be, Father, we just say no in Jesus' name, and we say yes to what you are speaking. In your name, we pray this. Amen. Amen. If you and I ever get to sit down in, uh, and have a conversation for more than a few minutes, there is a very strong chance I am going to talk about my dog, Lemon. Um, how many of you have heard me talk about my dog, Lemon? She is a lemon beagle and a lab mix. And I've often shared about Lemon's adventures. The Lord knew I needed more material for messages. And so he created this weird little dog that uh, came into my life four years ago. And um, she is so 
cute. She is so cute. If you've ever seen me post pictures of her, um, you know she is so cute. But do not let that cuteness lure you into thinking that you can trust her because you cannot trust her. She is a thief and she is a liar. Um, I'm here to tell you that. I tell all my dog sitters, she is not to be trusted. You cannot, you cannot trust her. I can't tell you the number of times I have caught her head entirely inside my purse. Um, she needs God. Um, before, before I knew her character, I, um, I'm the type of person that gives trust uh, immediately. And then if you break it, then we'll have to talk. But, um, so she came into my home and I just assumed I would be able to leave her out and about. She's tiny. She shouldn't be able to get things higher than, you know, very high and, and off the shelves and the counters and things like that. And so, um, I would leave her out and about. And, um, before I knew her character, I used to set stuff down on my kitchen table with the impression that my possessions were safe in my own home. That's what I assumed. Um, but I came home from dinner one night. She was about three, four months old, and I came to discover that she had broken into this travel uh, bag that I had. I'd come home from a trip and just set, like, my travel bag on the counter, and it had all my medicines in it. And she had broken in to that bag, and she, that dog had overdosed on vitamins. Um, and I knew at that point things have got to change quickly. So uh, I've, I've adapted and adjusted to living with her, and I just kind of deal with her sinful and chaotic lifestyle. Um, but she started acting very strange on New Year's weekend. Uh, she started very, acting very lethargic, and I knew that something was up because she is so, if you know her, she is very energetic, very playful. She's very tiny, but she will jump eye level with you. Um, she is a happy dog, but this happy, energetic, playful dog sort of transformed into this, this sweet baby. She would barely lift her head up. Um, she laid for hours on the couch beside me, and then when it was time for bed, she would kind of shuffle herself to the bed. Um, and, and so finally, after some days of this, I, I finally put on Facebook, I was like, please pray for this dog. Like, I, I feel like a seven-year-old asking you to pray for my animal, but I, I still, like, I'm so thankful that I did because I know people prayed and it mattered and it really did work. Um, and as she, uh, as the week progressed, though, some, some scary symptoms developed. Um, that, that made me, made me very anxious and it kind of had my mind reeling about what could be making her so sick. Um, so we took her to the vet and, uh, got tests and, and more medical attention than I myself had received in years, um, and, uh, gave her a lot of rest and she's doing so much better. And I really do think God touched her. Thank you for praying. Um, I really believe it made a difference, but, um, you know, before I knew she was really sick. I had an indicator that something wasn't right because of her lethargy. Um, and if you've ever had a, a sick kid, you know this to be true as well, that long before they ever get taken out by sickness, they seem to get still. They seem to get quiet um, and uh, just just lethargic, just moving slower, not just something something's not quite right. And when Lemon didn't care about getting belly rubs, when she stopped eating, when she stopped moving, um, I knew something was wrong. I knew something was wrong. Another word for lethargy is apathy. And that is what we are talking about today. Today's message is called From Apathy to Action. I want to talk about apathy today. I've got three solid definitions that I want to share with you today. The first is this. 
It's absence or suppression of passion, emotion, or excitement. Another definition of apathy is this. It's a lack of interest or a concern for things that others find moving and exciting. Um, another definition for apathy is this, stoicism. It's the freedom from emotion of any kind. When I think about this word, um, the cast of Winnie the Pooh comes to mind. Have you seen it? Um, and so I think of the, the different characters in, in that story, and the opposite of apathy would be Tigger, right? Because he is so energetic. He is pumped about life. He is ready to roll. And then you have his opposite, which is who? Eeyore, right? Um, who just does not love the life he has been given. Um, and I have found that families usually have like both types in their family. Um, ours is split down the middle. We have two very energetic people in our family. And then we have two people who are just kind of more steady, more like this. I wouldn't say Eeyore, but just kind of more like this. Um, and so I, I get like, if you're kind of more here, Tigger tends to get on your nerves. Um, Tigger's a morning person. Anybody? Are you a morning person? I am not a morning person. Um, I, I, I don't understand that. Um, and so Tigger, he's ready to roll. There are people in my family that think it's okay to speak before 9 a.m. Like, that's so weird to me. I don't understand that. Uh, my college roommate and I would, we had to get up so early. We had 7.30 classes in college. Why? I don't know. But we did. And she was a firstborn child. So she uh, got up earlier than me and took the brunt of that. I'm the baby, or I was. And so um, I said, go ahead and get up earlier than me and I'll get up after you. But she would uh, get up. She would get almost fully ready. I would get up, get almost fully ready, and then right about before we left the room, we would look over at each other and say, good morning. Um, and that is when my day started, was after we'd been up a full two hours. So um, all that to say is those people are like full of energy, full of life, and that is the ticker of, of the cast here. But um, Eeyore tends to be just sad um, and uh, just sort of like humdrum about life and moving, one word to describe him would be lethargic. You would never want him to be your motivator to work out, you know? Um, you, you would want, he would be the one you lay on the couch with and eat ice cream, right? Um, and so at least though, as we look at Eeyore, he expresses some type of emotion. And it's typically sadness. But when you really unpack apathy as we go back to that, definition, we see that it's really less about sadness and it's more about being numb or checked out. Numbness, apathy, being checked out, however you want to say it, is pretty common in our culture. Uh, here's why I think that is. I, I mentioned it earlier. Life has been truly brutal for people. It really has been. Um, in this room alone, there are countless stories of trauma, of loss, of disappointment. Life is hard. Life is hard. Jesus warned us it would be. In John 16, he tells us that here on earth we will have trials and sorrows. 
Now he goes on and he tells us, listen, have courage because Jesus came to overcome the world. He overcame the enemy. So that means we can too praise God that these trials that we're facing are not the end. It's a moment. It's a battle. We do get the victory no matter what the outcome is here on earth. In the end, we win. Praise God. But it's easy to kind of glide over that first part of that scripture and skip talking about the promised trials and sorrows we experience. I would much rather shout about the promised victory. It's a lot more fun to get people excited about the fact that we can overcome. But, but the truth is we can hold both. The truth is we can hold pain and we can hold the promise of victory. And that does not diminish our belief in God's power. It simply means that we are human beings experiencing the brokenness of the world that we live in. So sadly, so many people don't have strategies to deal with pain and disappointment and struggles. And so instead of finding healing for that pain, our culture has another solution. Our culture says, if you can't fix it, numb it. You can't deny that our culture has provided a variety of solutions to numb your pain. I am holding one right now in my hand. You might be holding it as well. I would say this solution is scrolling. Um, sometimes I'll have a friend like just check in on me. They'll be like, what are you doing? And I'll say, just scrolling. Like I'm scrolling, I'm watching videos, I'm, you know, whatever, catching up with you, social media stuff, whatever. And have you noticed that scrolling can move from a, a, a moment to like an hour to, 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 to two hours? Do you ever get convicted when you see your screen time report on your phone? Um, we find ourselves scrolling, looking at pictures of other people's moments checking out of our own moments, looking at videos to make us laugh, um, which is fine, I love a good funny video, but, um, but looking at stuff to get our mind off of what we are facing, scrolling, everybody say scrolling. Then we have one of my favorites, stuffing. Um, we stuff the uh, pain, the emptiness, the hard things in our life, we stuff with all sorts of things. One of my favorite drugs of choice would be food. Uh, I love carbs. That's a, that is a weakness, man. Uh, chips and salsa are, whew, man. Um, and so if, if I find I'm struggling with something, you know what, what's easy for me to do is, is to just like find something to like, like an Oreo will make me feel better. So I'll reach for that. We stuff, we stuff with food, we stuff with drugs. We stuff with addictive substances. We stuff our schedules with activities, right? Like we know how to be busy to ignore what's actually going on. We're really good at that. Oh, this one, we stuff our ears with noise. I love a good headphone. Love it. If you see me walk into Walmart and I don't answer, it's because I've got my, my headphones in. Um, I, I love that. But whenever we can't be silent and still, when we are cramming every moment with some type of noise or activity or thing, a distraction, then we've got to understand this might be a coping mechanism to get our focus off of what we really need to be working on with the Lord. Another one is another favorite I have. It's shopping. 
Um, now, I do love shopping for clothes, but I'm not really necessarily talking about that. I'm talking about shopping for things to make us feel better. Shopping for, well, maybe if I shop, if I go to this church and then this church and then this church and then this church, uh, shopping for jobs, shopping for relationships. If we think, oh, if I get that, that relationship will make me feel, that one actually will, will make me feel fulfilled and full. Shopping for attention. Our culture tells us to do that. So what's wrong with this strategy? Aside from the fact that it's a Band-Aid and not a breakthrough, I'm going to say that again, scrolling and stuffing and shopping are Band-Aids. They will not fix your actual problem. They're Band-Aids, not breakthroughs. There's another dangerous side effect to numbing. I have this really embarrassing video of myself on my phone from the last time I had a bunch of dental work done. Um, I was uh, getting just some simple work, some, some fillings, but I was so nervous about what was to come that I said, go ahead and like, yes, numb it, but also give me a laughing gas too. Whatever you can give me that my insurance will cover, lay it on me. And so I, I did that. Y'all, I am such a lightweight. I had to have my dad come pick me up from the dental office to drive me home. And, um, and so, but I took my, a video of myself because my mouth was numb. I couldn't quit laughing at myself because of the laughing gas. Uh, it really does work. And um, I, I could, not, could not really form sentences. I couldn't eat food. If you've ever uh, been numbed for uh, dental work of any kind, then you know like it's hours and hours until you can, until you can enjoy um, food again. And so one thing that I've learned about numbing and psychology backs this up. Up is that when we numb something painful, we actually numb everything, including the good things too. So while my mouth was numbed for that dental work, thank goodness, right? We're thankful that we don't have to feel that level of pain. I also couldn't enjoy Andy's ice cream and taste it and enjoy it because my mouth was numb. When you numb one thing, it ends up numbing everything. Apathy numbs all emotions, good and bad. So emotions like enthusiasm and excitement and hope and joy, you can see where this could greatly impact our relationship with the Lord. It can impact our relationship with ourselves. It can in fact impact our relationship with our people. It also limits our ability to carry out the calling that God has for each of us. Are you starting to see the danger of apathy, church? Here's another danger that I want you to know about. When we're apathetic, we are an unshielded target for the enemy. The apathetic are an unshielded target from the enemy. God tells us this in 1 Peter 5.8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is watching you. He is watching us. Apathy, though, blinds us to those attacks, and it exposes us to dangers intended to take us out of the game. That is why he is attacking you. That is why he's attacking you. He wants to take you out. The most um, intense level of combat I've ever seen has been um, camp dodgeball. It is very intense. Um, I get very worked up. I yell a lot. Um, I had a lady pull me aside one year um, in the bathroom after she'd seen me coach our team. If you can't do, you coach, and that is, that is me. I can't play it, but I can coach it really well. And, um, and a lady pulled me aside the bathroom. She said, your enthusiasm for dodgeball, wow. It, wow. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, point, point taken. Um, so uh, I, that's the most intense level of combat I've seen. But a close second was at this 
past year's fall retreat, um, we played uh, archery tag. Have you ever played archery tag before? It is a really fun game where you shoot arrows at each other. And uh, we thought, yeah, let the teenagers do that, you know? Um, let's just get them out there, get all their, like, air their drama out and their grievances and just say, just shoot each other. Like, go for it. Um, no, they, the arrows weren't actually sharp. There was, like, this uh, kind of cushion at the end of the arrow, but they still packed a punch. And so what happened was is they, they uh, we split them into two teams. We gave them these bows and these arrows, and we said, go for it. Um, and I was peer pressured by the teenagers to play a round of this game. And, um, and I did not know they hated me this much until I played that game because they went after me hard. And um, there were a few uh, precious souls that decided to, um, to help their youth pastor. And they would get behind me and they would grab arrows that the enemy uh, shot at me and they would like throw them to me. But I realized very quickly, I could not even take my, my eyes off of the game for a second because if I did, I would get shot. And they were vicious. They were truly vicious. And so I, I had to like keep my eyes fixed on the opposing side, but also like grab these arrows because it, I realized if I just took my eyes off of the action for a second, an arrow would assassinate me. And so children of God, we are in a battle. And it's one that we cannot risk to apathy. It's easy to take our eyes off of the battle and look at this. It's a lot easier. Am I right? It's a lot easier to scroll. It's a lot easier to stuff. It's a lot easier to shop for stuff that we think will make us feel better. But I don't want to get taken out of the game. Like, I, I just, I believe that God really did put me here for a purpose. And I believe the same thing about you. And I believe that this year, God has something for your life. I believe that he put you in your community, in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhoods. I believe that about you. Do you? Because if you don't believe that, apathy will take you out quicker than anything else. If you believe you just exist to do laundry and to, like, pay bills and to pay taxes, to keep the city around us going. Like, if that's what you believe your purpose here on earth, I have come to bring a message of hope. God has put you here in the year of our Lord, 2024, on this earth to do a thing. Apathy will take you out from that, though. Apathy will take you out. In a few moments, we're going to talk about four causes of apathy. Um, but before we do, I, wanna, I want us to examine apathy in our own life. Um, I, I have noticed it is really easy to call out apathy in other people. Um, I think it's my spiritual gift. Um, but I can be like, oh, that person's not on fire for you, God. Um, but I feel like convicted that I need to look at my own heart before we ever really, you know, notice it around us. Let's check inside of our heart. I believe moving from apathy to action starts with me. It starts with me. Look at your neighbor and say, it starts with me. Um, we got to ask some questions to our hearts. Is there a place where we've lost passion, where we've lost emotion, where we've lost excitement? Have we lost interest or concern for things that actually matter? Have we become really interested in things that don't? That's usually a sign of it in my life. If I'm really fixated on what's happening in a show that I'm binge watching, chances are 
my priorities need to be realigned. Um, if I'm really focused on things that don't actually matter, I don't have that kingdom focus. And that's a sign that apathy could be present. Um, if your answer's yes, trust me, to any of those questions, you are not alone. You are not alone. This is not a problem that the church is isolated from. Apathy hits God's people just like it hits lost people. In fact, apathy or indifference to what God prioritizes is addressed in three of the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. To the church in Ephesus, God called out their apathy by pointing out this. He says, listen, you've lost your first love. That passion that you used to have for me, that love and care that you used to have for your friends and your community of believers, where is it? Where is it? That love that was once vibrant, that love that made them excited to worship, that made them excited to serve, it had faded. Then you see in the, uh, to the letter to the church of, in Sardis, God shouts these two words, wake up, wake up. While this church had once had a reputation for being alive, God revealed that they had actually fallen asleep. And that is easy to do as believers, am I right? Especially if you've been in this thing a while, I've noticed that we know all the tricks of the trade. We know right when to raise our hands in that worship song. And we don't even have to be listening to the words. We know right when to clap. We know right when to say, amen, preach that. We know right when to nod our head. We know how to act alive. But are we really? Are we really? Or are we asleep? I had a friend in high school who struggled with sleepwalking. And um, he would tell me stories of all sorts of kind of crazy situations he found himself in. But the scariest story that I heard was about um, this moment that he woke up and he found himself behind the wheel of a car. Thank God in his grace and mercy, nothing, nothing happened other than that, you know, he was out in the streets driving. Um, but God got him home safely and no one was harmed. But it, it, I immediately went to that moment as I was studying for this message because we can convince ourselves that our apathy isn't really hurting anybody, but then we can find ourselves sleepwalking and sleep driving. And, and making choices in our apathy that actually do affect us and affect our family and affect our kids and affect our church and it hurts our community and it hurts the mission that God has for us. Please don't believe the lie that apathy is, uh, that apathy isn't dangerous. It's very dangerous. Apathy can like lure us into thinking that, um, that it's okay. I'm just checking out for a while, I'm burnt out. I just need a, just need a break. And I'm not, I'm not saying you don't need rest. Rest is holy. Um, God ordains rest for us. But when you have checked out of living the life that God has for you, then you know there is a problem with apathy. Finally, God called out the church in Laodicea for them being lukewarm. That's probably the most famous church for being apathetic. Um, I love Chick-fil-A. I, I do. Um, one of my favorite restaurants to go to. And um, I saw a post recently about a guy who had gotten a, a chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A and there was something wrong with it. Um, now, this normally never happens because Chick-fil-A is God's chicken and it's extra blessed and it's delicious. But, um, but for whatever reason, this guy's chicken sandwich 
had been delivered to him and there was a problem. Now, I would almost had trouble believing this because I myself have only good experiences at Chick-fil-A, but my family did go yesterday to Chick-fil-A and my parents were served their sandwiches without the chicken. They opened up their sandwich and both of them and the chicken was missing. And so I was like, it can happen, it can happen. Um, Chick-fil-A can make a mistake. Um, So what was wrong though with this guy's chicken sandwich is he said he uh, bit into it and it was lukewarm. And um, so he posted about it on social media and someone commented, Chick-fil-A Odyssea. I have laughed about that so much. I've laughed about it every time I think about this church. And, and when you know how something amazing like a Chick-fil-A sandwich can be that's piping hot, that's like crispy. Are you getting hungry for lunch yet? Um, that's, that's like you know how good a number one with cheese is from Chick-fil-A. And with that Chick-fil-A sauce, it just hits so good. Um, but think of it like instead of experiencing something amazing like that, you bite into the sandwich and the chicken's gone. Or you bite into it and it's there, but it's just lukewarm. It's kind of tempting to spit that out of your mouth, right? When God has experienced, think about the times when you were in love with him, when your worship meant something to you, whenever you had tears streaming down your face and your hands lifted up to to heaven, Remember when your life was fully surrendered to God. Remember when that authentic relationship was present. And then imagine how he feels when we deliver him something lukewarm. He remembers. He remembers what it's like to be loved so well. And he he knows whenever we are phoning it in. God ends up warning that church that if they don't change, he will spit them out of his mouth. And as scary as it is to think about that, God ends that warning with hope. Revelation 3.19 says this, I correct and discipline everybody I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. I have good news. If you are in this room today and you have a place of apathy in your heart anywhere, that can change. That can change today. Before we talk about how, let's talk about what. What are the four causes, I think, of apathy? Four causes of apathy. Um, You know, when when I realized that this was the topic that I was assigned to pray over during our week of prayer, I had to laugh because I have my own frustration with apathy. Um, I don't have a long list of things that truly make me angry, but apathy is on that list. Um, Let me tell you why. Because I've been in ministry for a good chunk of years now, and nothing can kill a ministry atmosphere like apathy. Um, When apathy is present in a church service, you feel it. It feels, it's the sleepy feeling. It's the feeling where you're like, I just can't get myself going today. Like, man, they're even singing my favorite song and I just want to sit down. And like that, like kind of heaviness, like just, oh, feeling is, is apathy. When, when you're trying to minister in a service like that, Christian leaders, like, you know, it's like stirring mud. You know who also understands the struggle is teachers because it is hard to teach and preach in atmospheres where there's apathy, am I right? Um, It's just a hard environment to to do ministry in. And so something has challenged me in this area. It is uh, serving teenagers Um, because they can show some apathy. They they can. Um, 
being in kids ministry sort of like made that part of my brain forget that. Um, because in kids ministry, you have a whole nother set of problems than apathy. You have the opposite of apathy. There's times when you have chaos. And, um, and I remembered as I was plating, as I was getting ready for this message, I was remembering sort of just the difference between youth and kids ministry and how teenagers can be a little apathetic from time to time. Not these, of course, they're perfect, but, um, but from time to time, other teenagers in other churches and other towns can be. And, um, and I, I like remember this moment in kids church a couple of uh, years ago and it was, it was really sweet. It was, but it, it just sort of gives you a slice of what, what, what life was like there. Um, we were teaching about worship and I was like, man, do you know you can worship God with anything? You can worship God with your voice. You can sing, right? You can worship God with your hands. What can you do with your hands? You can clap. I said, you can worship God with your feet. Did you know you could worship God with your feet? What can we do with our feet? And I was expecting one of them to be like, I can jump. Like, we can jump. We can walk and we can serve someone. And my nephew, Draken, stood up and he did the splits and said, I can do the splits with my feet as an act of worship. And I was like, and that is kids ministry right there. Uh, such a genuine heart. Also, we're doing the splits during worship. So, okay. Um, and so I remember that, and I was like, I never really ran into apathy in kids' ministry. Like, they love to worship Jesus, and it's so fun to watch them, and it's so fun, and you really do feel the presence of God during their worship. But something that was a little different, you know, stepping back into teenage ministry, is that teenagers, if you've ever had one or been one, you remember that it, it can just be a little, sometimes it can get a little apathetic. And, um, and so our uh, student ministry, my first youth group um, a couple years ago, was just in this season of apathy. And I realized it made me angry. It really ticked me off. And um, I remember, like, you could just feel it. Like, during worship, I would keep my eyes shut because I did not want to see them looking as if they were getting a root canal. But that's what it looked like. If you were looking out into the audience, it was sad. And so I kept my eyes shut. But you could feel it anyway. And so I would just stand there, and I was just so mad. I was so mad. I I was angry. They were apathetic. No one was enjoying church. And so I went home and I really believe God checked my heart about that. And he's like, anger towards apathy is okay. I think it's like a holy righteous anger because apathy is dangerous. You, you have to have like a, something rise up in you to address it. But I, I think we have to go a little bit deeper than that anger because if we just stay angry, no one's getting help, right? Um, instead of getting angry or judgmental or critical of someone else, I think we need to get curious. I think if we're sensing apathy in our kids, we got to get curious. I think if we're sensing apathy in our, our small group, in our ministry service, in, in our hearts, in our own walk with the Lord, we got to get curious. What causes apathy? These four things stuck out to me. They're in your notes. Um, D stands for discouragement. I believe discouragement can absolutely spark apathy. When you're deprived of courage, and confidence and hope, man, apathy can sneak in and settle in. That next word is, we're moving fast, E is exhaustion. That E stands for exhaustion. When you are drained of strength and energy, it is real hard to get excited about anything. Am I right? Like all the new moms in the room said, amen. Like when that little person is keeping you up all night, like it, you are worn out, okay? You are fatigued. It is easy 
to get exhausted in the life that we live. Not just if you have new kids. Maybe you're just a person that's hard to manage. I get that. Um, you, your, your own life is hard to manage sometimes. And, and you can just be exhausted with some things that you're walking through. Apathy can easily slip in whenever we are worn out, when we are fatigued. Uh, the next is A, anxiety. When there is a constant presence of distress and uneasiness in the mind caused by fear, then apathy almost can feel like a relief um, because it seems like it would be much better to stop caring than to care too much. And so apathy sort of lures us into believing that, you know, if you just check out, you won't be worried about that. But remember, that's a Band-Aid, not a breakthrough. Uh, another uh, cause of apathy is this disappointment. Disappointment absolutely can cause apathy um, when we have failed expectations, when we feel defeated, when we lack hope for the future. It is hard to feel passion. Am I right, church? It is hard to feel excitement or sometimes even emotion, sometimes even emotion. So if you find yourself struggling in any of those areas, I believe that this year God is leading you to resources and healing and insight. Let me just say that over you. Just because you feel it right now doesn't mean you're going to feel it forever, right? Remember that it's January. In six months, it'll be June and July. And, and this season that we're walking through, the bitter cold will look different in six months. Sometimes it's good to remember that spiritually because what can happen is we can get stuck in a moment and then it becomes a season and then it becomes where we just stay. But I believe that God did not call us to stay stuck in apathy, church. If we really do believe that he has a purpose and a plan for every person he created, then apathy is not part of that plan. It's not part of that plan. Uh, I'm, I, I believe that um, you, I believe that you do have something that God is asking you to do this year. I believe that you have a mission, a sign from heaven for your life in 2024. But please trust me when I tell you I know what it's like to be hesitant to jump into that mission because of an experience with discouragement. Well, I led a Bible study and three people showed up. That's okay. Jesus didn't have a lot of disciples either. He only had 12. Like, well, I reached out to my friend and I invited them to church, but they said no. All right, let's ask again. See what might happen here. Like, we have some discouragement in some areas. And so we, we're hesitant. We have some exhaustion. We have some anxiety. We have some disappointment. I know what that's like. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to let those feelings of discouragement and exhaustion and anxiety and disappointment make us feel like the life is drained out of us. The, the teacher and me likes acronyms, right? And so you'll notice on your notes that, that disappointment and exhaustion and anxiety and, and, and uh, discouragement, they spell out a word. What's that word? Dead, right? And that's the ultimate goal of our enemy. It's not only to lure us to sleep, but to make us check out completely, right? Like he comes to steal and to kill and destroy. He makes his purpose known very clearly. He is out to take us out. And so when we find ourselves apathetic and then maybe just spiritually dead, God has come so that we may come back to life. But I need you to understand that in that resurrection, you need to understand he understands your pain. He understands what has led you to that moment of death. 
um, one of my favorite scriptures and stories in the Bible is whenever the little girl who was 12 years old uh, was so sick, her family was frantic to, to get Jesus in the room because when he's in the room, the dead come to life, right? And the sick are healed. That's what we're believing for in 2024, that God can do the impossible. I really believe that, church. And so Jesus uh, intersects this, this little girl, and she's gone from being sick to being dead. And he walks in the room, and he says, little girl, get up. And I believe that is what he's speaking to you this morning. He, he's looking at you and saying, hey, my son, my daughter, get up. It is time to get up. But, but what happens, though, is we just believe that this is where we were meant to stay. And, and we get stuck in disappointment and discouragement and exhaustion and anxiety. And I'm telling you, you know what, there's space for that, too, in Scripture. Psalm 42 uh, the writer uh, writes, he's lamenting that his soul is there. His soul feels discouraged and exhausted and, and anxious. My worship team can go ahead and, and start playing as we get ready to wrap this up. Um, verse 3 of Psalm 42 says this. See if you can relate to this. My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where's your God? I wonder if you felt that before. I wonder if you're sitting in that chair this morning and you're saying to yourself, Bethany, you're, you're telling me that I have a mission and a, an assignment from God and I am struggling to put one foot in front of the other. Can I tell you I've been there? Can I tell you that, that there's hope, that it starts with days like today and acknowledging that you are not alone, that God is with you in this moment, that you have the one that can step into the room of a little sick and then dead girl and call her back to life. He is in this room today, and he can speak life to your heart. I believe that he's here to do that. Um, we're going to talk about how to go from death to life. If you're in this room and you feel, man, just that weight, that just being, feeling of heaviness, that feeling of like, I can't, I can't move forward. I'm stuck. I feel stuck in this season. I'm going to give you some things that will take you from death to life this morning, from apathy to action. The first one is this. Number one is praise. Still in that chapter, Psalm 42, verse five says this. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My Savior and my God. Praise doesn't mean that there's an absence of questions. We all have them, especially when we hit hard moments. And you see the writer ask that in Psalm 42. He said, why are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Praise doesn't mean you ignore the facts, just like Pastor preached last week, that faith doesn't ignore the facts. Faith looks at the facts and says, my God's greater. And that's what we do when we choose to praise during pain. It's not saying when we lift our hands and when we shout for joy, it's not saying my life's perfect and so God, I'm gonna praise you. Like everything is going my way so I can lift my hands and I can clap. No, when we praise from the broken parts of us, 
that's a praise that is powerful because it's it makes a statement to the enemy that says you know what we acknowledge that there's pain and we acknowledge that there's problems but my praise means i believe god is greater than all of them and so when praise is poured out in the middle of a season that you are hurting that you feel dead that's something that puts starts to put the pieces back to life starts starts to put the pieces of your heart back together another thing that we need if we're going to go from death to life from apathy to action is this perspective we need some perspective psalm 42 verse 6 says this my soul is downcast within me therefore i will remember you from the land of jordan the heights of Hermon from Mount Mazar. I want you to say that word, remember. Um, I'm the type of person that does pray each year for a word from God. Like, give me a word. Uh, you know, God, is there a theme? Is there a word you want me to lean into this year? And as I was getting ready for 2024, the word that kept coming to mind was the word remember. Say remember. Um, which is funny because I don't have the best memory. So I thought, maybe God's just telling me to write things down more. Um, and so uh, just this word remember keeps coming up and uh, I'm finding all these places as I'm studying the word, all these places in scripture where it talks about, hey, remember, I see it in scripture all the time now, now that God's kind of given me this perspective to, to look at. And, and what I'm learning is that when pain or apathy fills your present moment, take a moment to remember, take a moment to remember the times that God has been faithful. There is power when you choose to shift your perspective from the problems of now to the miracles of then. Um, remember when God paid that bill. Remember? Remember when no one else was around, but then you felt his peace. Remember that? Remember when you moved and you didn't have any friends, but God sent you a friend. Remember that? Remember when that person left your life and you thought you would never make it. Remember that? Look at you now. You're here. Remember how we walked you through that? Remember how you faced the biggest loss, the one that you feared? Remember how he got you through? Remember how you were so sick and God healed you? Dad, you remember when you were blind and now you can see? Mom, you remember when you had cancer and God, God brought you through that? Man, let's remember. Because he's faithful. He's faithful then. Then I can trust he's going to be faithful now. And you know what? I can trust he's going to be faithful in June of 2024 and in December and May of 2036. God is a faithful God. In scripture, there's um, something that, that they did, usually in Old Testament times. We don't, we don't really practice it as much, but I think I'm going to bring it back. Um, they used to build altars in places where God did a miracle. And, and they did it so people would remember. Like God, that is where God stopped the Jordan from flowing and God's people crossed. And that is where, so we built an altar there. That is where God met Jacob and, and, and opened his eyes and encountered him and changed his life. That, that is why that altar is there. You see all these places throughout the Old Testament of literal monuments built asking people to remember. Why? Because we would need to remember when we face another Jordan that was rushing. How are we going to get across this, God? How are we going to do this? How? And then we can look back at that altar and we can remember, but you got me through it then. 
The last time I lost my job, you were faithful. The last time my family member got sick, you were faithful. So then, God, I believe you can do it again. I believe you can do it again. There's power whenever you remember. Finally, there's this pursuit element that we have to have. If we are going to step from apathy into action, Revelation 3.19, I want to bring us back to that says this, I correct and discipline everybody I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. God invites us to turn from our indifference and instead to pursue him. To be diligent means to be zealous or to pursue. God is inviting his people to pursue him above everything else. As we pursue him, I really believe that we're going to move from apathy to action. How could we not? How could we not? And I believe that the actions that we do take this year, I'm just speaking this over our church, over you as an individual, those actions are going to be fruitful. That means they're going to matter. They're going to matter to the kingdom of heaven. Even if you feel like it's the smallest thing you're doing for the kingdom of heaven, I am telling you it matters. It matters. The actions that we do take in 2024, I believe are effective steps to expand the kingdom of heaven here on earth. I believe that. But we're not going to do it if we stay stuck in apathy. I believe God has something better for you today. I really do. I want you to close your eyes as, as we're preparing to, to pray. And I, I want to make sure that we check our hearts for apathy. God, will you show us? I want you to pray this prayer with me too, God. Or will you show us this, if there's a place of apathy in my life with you? Is there a place where there needs to be a, a fresh breath of your life, God? Is there a place of pain that I've been numbing, that I've been scrolling or stuffing or shopping, trying to, uh, trying to just put a Band-Aid where I need a breakthrough, God? Is there a place, God, that, that needs your peace and your power and your perspective? Is there a place that needs to be healed? God, I believe those are what cause us to get apathetic. It's really pain, wanting uh, to, to steal our focus and then just getting apathetic. And so, God, I just pray for every person in this place, Lord, that that is struggling, Lord, to even find their want to. God, that, that's a real thing, Lord, when we just kind of lose our want to, our want to to go to church, our want to to get in the word, our want to to serve, our want to to put one foot in front of the other. God, help us find our want to, God. But Lord, if it's because there's a place of pain that's unaddressed, God, show us that. If it's because of a, a sin or a stronghold in our life, Lord, show us that. God, because we are people that are hungry and desperate to see you move in this earth. Look, look God, I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of what you're doing this year. I, I don't want apathy to take me out of the game, God. And I believe that's the heart of our church. I believe that. Church, would you stand with me now? I believe that the Lord has shown us these places in our hearts that have lost that passion, that excitement. This is what I'm going to pray. God, death to life. That is what I believe for in this room. If you want God to breathe his breath of life over any area in your life, would you just lift your hands, even if it's just your year? Like you in this moment, you are saying, God, I don't want to be stuck in apathy, God. I don't want to be just stuck with, with what's normal, what, what is, God. I'm going to what you have for us, Lord. And so, God, as your people, we are telling you at the beginning of this year, we are praying a bold prayer. Lord, we don't want to be the 
the same at the end of this year. God, we don't want to be in the same place at the end of this year, God. Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us for, for band-aiding what we need your breakthroughs in. Bring the breakthroughs, Father. Bring the life, God. Bring the dead parts back to life, Jesus. Breathe your life over us today, God. We receive that. Can you just say that? God, I just receive your breath of life over me right now. I believe that. And now I want you to take the next 10 seconds, 15 seconds to praise him, to thank him that God, you have been faithful then. I believe we can trust you as we walk into 2024. We're gonna see your goodness again. We're gonna see your faithfulness again, God. We are gonna see you move, Father. And because we are moving from apathy to action, we're gonna be a part of it. We are not gonna be on the bench or the sidelines anymore, God. We are gonna be in the game, doing what you have called us to do, Father. Thank you, Lord, that that is what our church has committed to doing, Jesus. We give you praise and glory. You are awesome. You are awesome. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us here at the assembly. Hey, if you're a first-time guest, pastor's going to meet you in the foyer. And um, if the snow apocalypse doesn't come, we'll see you Wednesday. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you're ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.